Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, tells us, Lay up not for yourselves treasure upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the things we treasure, that's where our heart is going to be. And I like to look at a passage out of the Psalms that gives us some insight that things we need to treasure to make sure our heart is there. So turn with me to Psalm 119, the great 119th Psalm. And we're going to look at one section of that. We're going to look at section uh, verses 57 through 64. And here the psalmist, uh, David, tells us some things we need to treasure in and invest in. Psalm 119, verse 57. So stand with me as we read God's word. And here the Bible says, Thou art my, thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I'd keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I thought of my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste, delayed not to keep thy commandments. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight I'll rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. I am a companion of all them that fear thee, and of them that keep thy precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Let us pray. Father, we're just uh, marvel at the richness of your word, uh, the, the goodness, the treasure we can find here. And we just pray that, Lord, help us to treasure things of eternal value. Give us those kind of hearts, that kind of desire, that will, that we'd seek after you, Lord, above all things, that we'd seek you first, your kingdom, your righteousness, that our hearts would be there be also. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, what kind of heart do we need? David would tell us that we need a heart for God. That's where it needs to start. Uh, we look at verse 57. He says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. And then look at verse 58, the start of it. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. So here we see the psalmist sees God as his portion. And that word portion, you know, we think of that uh, easily a word that can pass over us. But portion means allotment, allowance, a ration, or, or a share. And it's frequently used in a literal sense of sharing food, a portion of food, uh, clothing, or property. Uh, it's the word used of the prodigal son when he spoke to his father. He said, Father, give me the portion of goods that followeth to me. So he divided unto them his living. So he was given his portion, his share, his, his, uh, his inheritance. And of course, we know what the prodigal son did with it. He went and blew it all 
and, and wasted it. But that was his portion, his total wealth. Uh, portion sinners especially in land. Uh, yet when the 12 tribes, when they were given their land in the promised land, one tribe received no land. That was the Levites. And it's interesting what God says to Aaron and the Levites in the book of Numbers. He says to them, Then the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. And then here's the key part. God, here's what God says. I am your portion, your inheritance among the children of Israel. So God became their portion. And here we see David drawing on that image. Thou art my portion, O Lord. God's his portion. God is his all. God is his wealth. And God is everything to him. One of the songs we like to sing quite often is, You are my all in all. That draws from this image of the Bible. God is everything. And that's why he says in verse 58, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. All that he had. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Remember his answer? Mark tells us, and where Jesus answered and says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And that's the kind of heart we need. A heart that just really puts God first. You know, a devout Jew would say these, that very verse that comes out of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, they would say those words at least twice a day. Uh, those are probably good words for us to say twice a day. Uh, get up in the morning and say, uh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with everything you have. And they repeat it again at the end of the day. Because that involves all we are. Our heart, our, our soul, our strength, our mind. Everything we have is to love the Lord and to give a heart to him. And that's where it needs to begin. Uh, Vance Havner, years ago, he says, we have left our love for Christ. And when love for Christ dies, love for each other, love for the Bible, and love for souls dies. That's what takes place. So that's why it's so important that we love God first, because everything flows from that. In fact, in Revelation chapter 2, in the letter to the church at Ephesus, in verse 2 of that chapter, Jesus says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Well, that's a pretty good church, isn't it? That's all good stuff. These are hard workers. They don't tolerate evil. Uh, they stay with the task. They work hard. But notice in verse 4, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. They got away from loving Christ like they should. And we need to have that first, because it doesn't matter what we do after that. We don't love him first with everything. 
It's not going to be what it should be. So God has to be our portion. And we need to love him with all our heart. What else does David tell us in Psalm 119? We also need to have a heart for God's word. In fact, uh, the focus of all of Psalm 119 is really God's word. Uh, Dr. McEachern, he says Psalm 119 is the Old Testament's greatest expression of love for God's law. The psalmist meditated upon the law, loved it, and delighted in it. And we just see it all the way through. You look back at verse 47. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Verse 48. I lift up thy commandments, which I have loved. Now meditate in thy statutes. Uh, verse 97. Oh, I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. Verse 113. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Verse 127. Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. And verse 167. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. Uh, so David, he loved God's word. Just treasured it. Loved it. Sometimes uh, we come across unhappy people, unhappy Christians. Why is that? Here's, here's the answer. Failure to obey God's law. Simple as that. They're just out of God's will. And if we uh, look through here, we see that there is a delight and joy as we tie into God's word. There really is. And when we get away from God's word, we're going to be out of God's will. And that's going to lead to unhappiness, no contentment. So it's a source of joy. We see that with David. So a heart for God's word is going to do some things, and David tells us some actions we need to have with God's word. We need a first purpose in our heart to obey God's word. You look at verse 57. He says, Thou art my portion, O Lord, I, I have said that I would keep thy words. So obedience is a foundation piece. It really comes together with obedience. Uh, John Samus in his great hymn, Trust and Obey, like what he says, he says, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. Let us do his good will. He abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. And then the chorus, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You don't do that, you're not going to be happy. Uh, John Samus was right. And that's why Jesus said, uh, as, as he finishes up the Sermon on the Mount, he will conclude with two builders, the wise man who builds on the rock and the foolish man that builds on sand. And he said the wise man is the man who takes the words of Christ, hears them, and does them. That's building 
upon the rock. Now, second action of God's word is we need to line up our walk, our way of living with God's word. You look at verse 59, and the psalmist says, I thought of my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. You know, one word describes that action. Repent. That's what's taking place there in that verse. Repent. John the Baptist came preaching, repent. Jesus had the same message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And of course, that's a radical turning from uh, our, our, our sins, our things that displease God, and turning away from those, and walking towards God and towards uh, His standard, and turning to Him, leaving things that God doesn't want us to do, whether thought, word, or deed, and turning from those. It's what the prodigal son did. He came to his senses and he said, I've sinned against God and my father. And he turned from that and returned to the father. Now, when we do that, uh, a couple key things. Do it quickly. Don't delay. Uh, we tend to be procrastinators. Uh, I always get a kick out University High School uh, Mr. Van Sickle, he, they have a morning time of announcements, and every once in a while he'll, talk, he'll announce that the Procrastinators Club, their scheduled meeting today has been postponed till next week. And I thought, isn't that, I don't even know if that's a real club, I think he's just making that up. But, but we're like that. We just kind of put things off and, and, and just wait and wait and wait. Uh, John Phillips, he makes reference to Robert Laidlaw. And a, a little poem that he has that, that's so true. It's Satan's final tactic, procrastination. The tactic of delay. And he, and he talks about the soul of one who's almost persuaded. Let me just read it. Uh, tomorrow he promised his conscience. Tomorrow I mean to believe. Tomorrow I'll think as I ought to. Tomorrow the Savior receive. Tomorrow I'll conquer those habits which hold me from heaven away. But ever God's Spirit insisted one word and only one today. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Thus day after day it went on. Tomorrow, 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 till youth like a vision had gone. And age with its passions had written the message of fate on his brow. And out of the shadows came death with his pitiless syllable now. Boy, that's so true. Don't be a procrastinator. Prodigal son did. He didn't procrastinate. The wording implies that when he made a decision, he said, I will return to my father, and he got up and did it right away. He didn't hesitate. And then as we obey, stay with it. You look at verse 61 back in 
119 here. He says, the bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I've not forgotten thy law. Uh, that's telling us the psalmist went through tribulation. He went through some trial. And yet, if you notice, he didn't let that trip him up. I have not forgotten thy law. I've stayed with it. I'm still going to obey it. I'm still going to give it uh, a center place. And, you know, it's amazing when we decide to do something for God, how many obstacles come up. I mean, uh, a trial, family member, uh, just all kinds of stuff comes up to keep us from doing what we should. The other action with God's word is to give it priority. In verse 62, we see the psalmist saying, At midnight I'll rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Uh, and we see that all the way through this psalm, the priority of God's word, time-wise. Uh, verse 97, it's my meditation all the day. Verse 147, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. So morning, night, day, it, it just had a priority. I remember hearing at some Bible conference that uh, we just, the average Christian spends just minutes a day in God's word. And how often we spend hours looking at our smartphones or TV, or whatever. Need to spend more time with God's Word, the living Word. So David would tell us we need to have a heart for God. We need to have a heart for His Word. And then we need to have a heart for God's people. Like what David says in verse 63. I am a companion of all them that fear thee, and of them that keep thy precepts. Let me encourage you to always invest in your church family. Spend time with them. Give them priority. Don't forfeit that or neglect it. Uh, so give it a priority. Make, make a time commitment. Uh, building relationships takes time and a time investment just like it does in a family. It's a, we're a church family and we just need to invest that. And you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. Keep doing good work uh, like that. Make sure that we remove stumbling blocks to fellowship, that we be those kind of people. And keep Jesus as the head of our fellowship. He's our protector. He's the shepherd. And I like what David says. He says he's a companion. That speaks of a close bond. In fact, it's the same word used of Daniel and his three friends. They were companions. They were in a pagan land, and they stuck together. 
That was so important that they did because of their faith in God. And notice David says, companionship comes when we fear God. You look at David, he feared God. Look at Daniel, he feared God. And they had a great companionship. Uh, don't know who said it, but a man who respects God will respect God's people. I think that's true. The more we fear God, the closer we draw to, draw to God. And the closer we draw to God, the closer we draw to each other. That's the best thing we can do. How do we get close to each other? I'll tell you how. You just step closer to Jesus. That's how you do it. Because let's just let this uh, altar table represent our Savior. And the closer I stand to Jesus, the closer I can get to him. And if you do the same thing, where are you going to be standing? Right next to me, aren't you? You see, the closer we draw to Christ, the closer we draw to each other. That's the best thing we can do to build our fellowship. Draw close to Jesus. And then David says in verse 64, The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. You know, as we walk through life, we will become aware of God's mercy. It is rich. It is everywhere. David, everywhere he looked, he could see God's mercy encompassing him. Now, that's, that's not for the unbeliever. They don't see that. But for believers in Christ, we see God's mercy. And we can access it any moment. Love that verse in Hebrews. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find mercy to help in our time of need. God's mercy is always available. So as you look over this past year, have we have had a heart for the Lord? Have we had a heart for his word? Have we had a heart for his people? Well, New Year's coming up. It's time to make maybe an adjustment. Maybe a change of direction. Say, Lord, I just want to make you my portion. Give me a heart for you. Start with that one first. And then build on that in his word and with his people. You're going to bring our team back up, Peter and Sarah and Erica. Way in a manger. Let's stand as we sing. Maybe you need to come this morning. The altar's open. You need to come in prayer. Make that commitment to the Lord. You can do that. If you need me to pray with you, I will. What is God laying in our hearts? We come to the end of the year. Do we need a purpose to give him that place in our heart? First place. His word. His people. You come.